0: All right, well, let's go to God's Word. If you want to take out your sermon no cheat. as we are in week number seven in a study through the New Testament book of James that we're calling When Faith Grows Up. The big question that James is asking all throughout this book is, is your faith mature? And what he really basically tells us is this. If you want to know if your faith is truly mature or not, Just take a look at what you do. You see, James is the epistle of applied Christianity. Does your faith find joy in trials? Does it help you resist temptation? Does it make you a doer of God's word? Does it make you no respecter of persons? Does it help you tame your tongue? All things we've looked at in the first half of this series. If the answer is no to any of those questions, then what it means is that you have some growing up to do in your faith. Now, as we come to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, James teaches us that grown up faith lives wisely, that someone with grown up faith walks in wisdom. And once again, if that's true, then the proof is going to be in the pudding. The proof of living wisely is going to show up in how you live, in what you do, especially when it comes to the area of your relationships, how you relate to other people. Let's go and read what James has to say, starting in verse 13. This is all about wisdom here. So notice how it's mentioned all throughout the passage. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, I want you to go back to the very first verse in this section, and I want you to notice the question that James starts this whole wisdom talk with. Who is wise and understanding among you? Okay? Otherwise, who thinks they're wise? James is asking for for a show of hand here. And truth be told, we would all like to think that we're wise. I mean, listen, we all know that we're not perfect, but we would all like to think that we're wise to one degree or another. Why is that? Well, we understand that wisdom is a good thing. We understand that it's a needed thing in this life. We all want to make good, wise choices and decisions. The Bible tells us this about the value of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11 says, Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So what the writer is saying is get get wisdom, pursue it, seek it, do anything you can do to have it, desire it more than anything else in your life because it's that valuable of a thing. Now, it's important that you understand that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, okay? Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. So understand, you can have all the facts in the world and still not have wisdom. You know, it's interesting that we live in a world full of smartphones and dumb people. (laughs) Think about it. We have all kinds of info at our fingertips, but there are less people who know how to get along with one another than ever before. People increasingly don't know how to relate to one another properly. I mean, have you noticed that in our society, it's getting more rude, more selfish, and more violent by the day? Let me tell you what that's indicating to you. That's a surefire sign of a society that lacks wisdom. Here's the other thing. You can be extremely smart and not have wisdom. You can know a lot of things. You could be trained in a lot of skills. You can have a 4.0 GPA. You can graduate magnum cum laude. You can earn degree after degree after degree and still not have wisdom there are lots and lots of smart people that do not walk in wisdom that do not make good decisions that make bad decision after bad decision so just because you are smart doesn't mean that you're walking in wisdom while knowledge is the accumulation of facts wisdom is knowing how to apply knowledge Okay, wisdom is knowing how to practically apply knowledge to your life. Now, let me take this a step further because this is what James is trying to say and trying to get us to understand in these verses. True wisdom. Everybody say true. True True wisdom is living in light of God's word. It's living by what is true, right, and, and of eternal value. Listen, if you're living by what is not true according to God and not right according to Him, and you're not living according to things that are of eternal value, then you're not living wisely. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. You're actually living a foolish life by an earthly wisdom of some kind that's not true wisdom at all. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this very important verse to understand. The writer says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy Spirit is understanding. The starting point, the starting line of living wisely begins with the fear of the Lord. So think about this. You can't even begin to think about getting into the race to track down wisdom if you don't first fear the Lord. Now, fear here doesn't mean run and hide. Rather, it means respect and take seriously. It means you take what God says seriously. You pay close attention to your relationship with him and his word and what he says. Now, why in the world would you want to do that? Well, because what he says is true is true. What he says is a lie is a lie. What he says is wrong is wrong. What he says is right is right. What he says he's going to do, guess what? God is going to what? He's going to do it. What he says he won't do, guess what? He's not going to do it. What he says and who he says he's going to judge, he's going to judge. What he says he's going to bless and who he's going to bless, he's going to bless. So fear of the Lord means to take your relationship with God and his word seriously. That's the beginning of wisdom. That is the starting line. You can't even begin to track wisdom down until you get there. Now let me put this all together for you. When you fear the Lord, you get your knowledge from him, and that knowledge gives you a proper understanding And now you're ready to apply that understanding to your life in a practical way. That's called true wisdom. That's how wisdom is supposed to work in your life. Now back to the question that James proposes to us. Verse 13, who is wise in understanding among you? Otherwise, how can we tell if we're truly walking in wisdom? How can we tell if other people are truly walking in wisdom? The answer to that is humility. Look at that. Let us show it by, he says, let us show it by their good life, by deeds done in what? Humility Humility that comes from wisdom. Where does it come from? From wisdom. Listen, the hallmark of someone that is walking wisely is humility. It's a byproduct of it. Now that word humility here in this verse is not the usual Greek word translated as humility throughout the rest of your English Bible. The NIV here translates it as humility. I want you to see how the standard English version translates this word. It's a better translation. It says this, Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct let him show his works in the, what's the word? Meekness of wisdom. And so that word, whether translated humility in one version or meekness in another, is the Greek word uh, prautes, And it literally means power under control. That's what that word means. It's the same Greek word used to describe a wild horse that's been tamed. I mean, a wild horse has got all this power that it could just unleash, but when you tame it, it is now meek. Meek doesn't mean weak, it means strength, under control. So think about this. Someone who is truly living in wisdom is someone who is allowing their life to be tamed by God and His Word. Their lusts, their passions, their attitudes, their tongues, those fleshly things don't just run wild in their life. You know why? Because they're held in check by wisdom. That's meekness. So the more mature you are in your faith the more raw power of your flesh will be under control. And the less mature you are in your faith, the less the raw power of your flesh will be under control. I want you to remember what James already said about the tongue earlier in chapter three. We looked at it last week. Go back there for a second, look at this. He says, we all stumble in many ways, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And look at the example he used to illustrate our tongues need to be tamed with God's help. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Strength under control, right? True wisdom produces meekness, especially when it comes to how we relate and act to and interact with other people listen wisdom or a lack of it always shows up in your relationships always can i tell you anyone could look mature when they're at home by themselves get them around people you're gonna find out now what james does in verses 14 through 18 is he contrasts false wisdom false wisdom with true wisdom And he does it in three areas. He contrasts their origin, their operation, and their outcome. So let's work through each of those contrasts one by one. First, let's look at the contrast in origin. And we're going to, where do they come from? Let's start with false wisdom. Look at verse 15. James says in verse 15, such wisdom, now watch this, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So here's what he's saying. There's a type of wisdom in this world, which is really false wisdom, because there's only one source of wisdom that's true. False wisdom does not come from God. It doesn't come down from heaven. It's not spiritual. It's not biblical. It's not divine. It's human reason and understanding without God. And James gives us three sources of this false wisdom. First, he says, it's earthly. Its motives, its methods, and its aims are earthly and temporal. It reasons and then comes to an understanding of things, get this, without God and eternity in mind. So let me give you a good example of this kind of earthly wisdom. Um, uh, You see this displayed in the parable that Jesus told about the rich fool uh, in Luke chapter 12, uh, you remember that story? There was a farmer that had, man, he had a bumper crop, man. He had so many, he had a good year. And instead of thinking about others and God and eternity, he said this, I know what I'll do. I'm just going to build bigger barns. And so after doing that, he went to sleep that night saying, now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry for you have much goods laid up for many years. But do you remember what happened to the story that night? The farmer died and because he did not know god because he was not saved he went to hell and jesus says what good is it if you gain the whole world yet you lose your soul it profits you nothing when it comes to eternity what i want you to understand is that rich fool lived out of a wisdom that operated as if god did not exist Jesus ends up calling the rich farmer a fool. Look what the Bible says in Psalm verse 14, verse 1. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So a fool lives as if God doesn't exist. He doesn't think about eternity or the life to come and how he lives when it comes to how he lives now. So a fool gets their understanding from human philosophies and human reasoning that are nothing but earthly. That's right. Can I tell you, our world is full of those types of philosophies. Yes, our world is full of this type of wisdom, this false wisdom. I mean, the, the majority of the movies we watch and the media that we are consumed with and the books that we read is full of this type yes. of wisdom. Full of wisdom apart from God's word about all kinds of things, life and death and marriage and parenting and sex and sexuality and relationships and money. And I can go on and on. That world is full of false wisdom in all kinds of areas. Now, here's the thing we all understand. It makes sense that a non-Christian would live by this type of wisdom. But what doesn't make sense is why in the world would a Christian be living by this kind of wisdom? You understand that's the issue that James is addressing here in chapter 3. Christians who are practical atheists, they have their faith in Jesus for salvation, but they live their life by the wisdom of the world. That's what he's addressing. They believe in God, but you couldn't tell by what they say, what they believe, and how they live their life. You see, a mature Christian fears God and has God at the center of their life. An immature Christian lives life with earthly thinking at the center. James gives us a second source of false wisdom. The first one was earthly. Look, at, look what he says. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is what? Earthly. And what's the next word? Unspiritual. Un-spiritual. Now, that's an interesting Greek word. Okay? It's sukinos. Everybody say sukinos. Here's what it literally means. Animal, natural, sensuous. So here's what it relates to. It relates to following natural appetites and lust without the restraint or control of God. In fact, it's interesting, our English word psychology is, is derived from this Greek word. So you say, well, what are we talking about here? We're talking about wisdom that's based on the flesh. We're talking about people who live their life based on their fleshly appetites and that's never a good idea because you live in a body tainted by what sin and look what first John chapter 2 verse 16 tells us for everything in the world stuff from below right the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father but from the world Look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, Paul says, but people who aren't spiritual, same Greek word that James is using, okay? People who aren't spiritual, that live just by their appetites, can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Do you understand people who are unspiritual live like a blind person in an art gallery or a deaf person in a symphony? False wisdom is earthly. It's unspiritual. And notice the last thing that James says, as, says about, uh, about it. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. What's the last word? Demonic. Demonic this is sobering. Now that doesn't mean everyone that lives by earthly wisdom is demon-possessed or demonic. But what James is saying is people who live by earthly wisdom, their way of thinking, their philosophies, their understandings are demonically inspired. You know, the Bible tells us that Satan is the prince of this world. And what you have to understand is he has skillfully and tactfully sown his lies into the philosophies of this world. That's why as a Christian, you should never base your your life on what the world is saying about how you should live. That's foolish. You should never base your life on what popular culture is saying or what your favorite singer is saying or movie star is saying. How dumb could you be? Let me tell you why. Because this type of wisdom is full of lies that finds its source in the devil. He's been sowing his lies into culture. Jesus said this very same thing to religious people who were living by earthly wisdom. And understand, he's not talking to atheists here. He's talking to religious people who were living by worldly wisdom rather than heavenly wisdom. And look what he says. He says, you belong to your father, the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar and a father of lies and can i tell you the devil's good at it he can twist scripture he can do all kinds of things he's been doing it for a long time. So you must beware of the wisdom that the world is trying to get you to live by. So false wisdom, get this, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonically inspired by the devil. It comes from below. That's that's the origins of it. Now let's flip this around and talk about the origin of true wisdom. Where does it come from? Notice verse 17. James says it comes from where? Heaven. Heaven. See that? But the wisdom that comes from heaven, it comes from God. And I want you to think about this. Do you remember what James already said back in chapter 1, uh, James chapter 1 verse 17? James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Yes. You ever notice that the world changes their wisdom all the time? Yes, it does. Shifts your father doesn't change. Right. I want you to think about the good things that have come down from heaven for us, from God. Isn't it true that God sent his one and only son from heaven down for us? Yes. And I want you to look what Paul says about Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom, wisdom of God. You yeah. see that? And Paul goes on to say this in Colossians <laughs> chapter 2, verse 3. Christ in whom are hidden all, everybody say all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How many are thankful God sent Jesus down for us? God also sent down his word from heaven and had it put in a written form for us that we now call the Bible. And Paul says this about the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the holy scriptures which are able to make you what? Wise. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen, they're not only able to make you wise for salvation, but they're then able to make you wise for living your life. That's why he goes on in verse 16 to say, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God also sent His Holy Spirit down from heaven to be our helper as Christians. And look what Isaiah says about the Holy Spirit. This is actually a prophecy about the coming Messiah and that would be fulfilled in Jesus. Look what it says. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Talking about Jesus, it calls him the spirit of what? The spirit of what? Wisdom, Wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the Fear. fear of the Lord. Every good gift comes down from the Father, including wisdom. So I want you to understand true wisdom finds its origin in God, while false wisdom, its origins are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So where does does, does worldly wisdom come from? From the world, from the flesh, and from the devil. Those are the three enemies of the Christian, am I right? Let's now talk about a contrast in operation. True wisdom operates in a different way than false wisdom does. And that makes sense since they originate from radically different sources, it makes sense that they operate in different ways. So first, how does false faith operate? Well, look at verse 14. James says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Now, I want you to notice the four things in pink that I've highlighted there. Worldly wisdom is in operation when you find first bitter envy. Okay, bitter envy is discontentment with the good fortune of others in fact we have a word for this it's called jealousy our flesh wants what it wants right Right. and it doesn't want to celebrate others and here's what i know about bitter envy it gets easily upset and offended when other people are blessed and succeed and they're not it it, it's the outflow of bitter envy is self-promotion often at any cost because I've got to satisfy this fleshly thing that's bugging me, right? Even if we've got to obtain it in, in the way that is wrong. Uh, let me give you an example of this. Do you remember Cain and Abel, the story of Cain and Abel? No. Remember God blessed Abel? Yes. And Cain was like, I can't, like, I want to be blessed too. And instead of submitting himself to God, that would have been wisdom. Yes. He goes and does what? He kills his brother in his anger. Now, a second thing, secondly, worldly wisdom is an operation where you find selfish ambition. Now, it's interesting, and I don't have in your notes, but this Greek word for selfish ambition here literally means a party spirit, okay? But not in the way you think about party. It was used, this word, in Greek culture to describe a politician who was canvassing for a job or a cause, okay? You know what we call this? Really, this word is they're manipulative, now, i'm not saying every politician is bad but there's a lot of manipulation in politics amen so think about it. we manipulate to get our candidate in office we manipulate to get ourselves elected we try to befriend influential people so we can manipulate others through them. okay in opposition to godly wisdom worldly wisdom has a hidden agenda And that agenda is to satisfy our fleshly desire at any cost, even if it's at the expense of climbing over and on top of other people. That's a sign of worldly wisdom that's in operation in your life. Third, worldly wisdom is in operation where you find boasting. We're talking about pride. Pride is evidence of, of worldly wisdom. It's at work. I mean, you can, you can tell. How many know you can tell when you're around somebody that's prideful? Now, let, let me say something that you need to understand about a big issue that's currently going on in our society today. today, and I want to talk about it for just a second because I feel like you need to hit this issue at different angles to help you understand. Any movement or belief that revolves around pride champions it, celebrates it, Uses it as its rallying cry or motto is operating by a wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Teach it. And you say, Pastor, what movement are you talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your neighbor, they'll fill you in. <laughs> it's not of God. Finally, worldly wisdom is in operation where you find a denial of the truth. Listen, anytime we deny a truth of God's word in any area of our life, it's a surefire sign that worldly wisdom is operation, operational in our life. So that's the operation of false wisdom. Now, let's look at the operation of true wisdom. James says in verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere listen when someone is walking in wisdom that is from above first you know what you're going to find you're going to find purity okay first of all pure here doesn't mean pure is just the first thing on the list First of all here means that all the other things flow after this. This is the foundation of everything else on the list. So think about this. Purity is the foundation of wisdom. Wisdom's most fundamental quality is purity. It's living a holy life. It's living in righteousness. It's living according to God's Word. It's living His way. That's the foundation of wisdom. So when you find purity... You know wisdom that comes from uh, from above is an operation there. When, when you don't find purity, what you find is earthly wisdom is in operation there. Second, wisdom from above is in operation when someone is peace-loving. okay? In contrast to bitter envy and selfish ambition of the unwise, God-given wisdom, what it does is it it produces peaceful relationships. You know, our our human flesh, our tendency is to be argumentative and quarrelsome and quick-tempered, but God-given wisdom, when you follow it, it's going to help us guard against those things. It seeks peace rather than ill will. Do you remember what Jesus said in the Beatitudes? I, I don't have it on the screen, but Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the what? Sons of God. They're just like their heavenly father. When they're following his wisdom, it's going to be evident in the children's wisdom, right? Third, wisdom from above is operational when you find someone who is considerate. Now, a better translation of this word would be gentle. So it carries the meaning of moderation without compromise, okay? I want you to understand, gentleness, it doesn't mean weakness. It doesn't mean people walk all over you. It doesn't mean that you can't address things and address issues. Listen, the considerate person does not deliberately cause fights. doesn't mean they compromise truth in order to keep peace, but they're considerate in how they deal with issues of life and how they deal with people. There's a, there's a consideration to them. It's a a sign of heavenly wisdom that is at work in them. It's it's what's producing out of it. Fourth, wisdom from above is in operation when you find someone who is submissive. Now, once again, this doesn't mean you just do what anybody else says that you do. It doesn't mean you're a pushover. It means you find someone who's teachable. Isn't it true? Wise people are teachable. Prideful people, they know it all. They have all the answers. They think they know better than God. Listen, someone who is teachable is amendable. They're willing to listen. It doesn't always have to be the way that they want it to be. Listen, a big sign of someone who is not walking in wisdom, they feel the need to control everything and everyone in their life. You find somebody that that wants to control everything. You're, You're talking about somebody who is walking by earthly wisdom that is demonically inspired. That'll put you in bondage real quick. Fifth, wisdom from above. Are you still with me? It's quiet in this place today. Fifth, wisdom from above, watch this, is full of mercy and good fruits. Now, when I look at this, why would a wise person be full of mercy? I'll tell you why. Because they take their heavenly father seriously. And when they understand their relationship with their heavenly father, they're like, oh, if it wasn't for his mercy, I'd be in trouble. If it wasn't for His grace, I'd be in trouble. Yes. And so what you find with a wise person who takes their relationship with God seriously is they're more forgiving. They're, they're not as offended as easily because they know and understand their relationship with their Heavenly Father. Now, when I think of good fruits, you know what I think of? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and what? Self-control of the fleshly appetites. Sixth, impartial. What that means is you're talking about a a person that is unwavering. It's the idea of a person with fixed principles who's unwilling to violate those principles regardless of the situation. They're not going to cave to peer pressure. They're, they're going to do what's, what's right no matter what. That's what that word means there. Finally, when wisdom from above is an operation, you find sincerity. You say, what do you mean by that? You find, genuineness is the idea. When you find somebody that's walking in true wisdom, you're not going to get a phony on your hands, okay? Not someone who says one thing and does another. It's actually the Greek word here, uh, it, it It's where we get our word hypocrite from. And this is actually a term from the Greek theater. So when the actors would get up on stage, they would put masks on and pretend to be someone that they're not. Let me put this together for you. James is talking about Christians here who profess their faith but don't actually live their faith. Amen. Yeah. They're saved, but they live by wisdom of the world. James says that shouldn't be. You, those two things need to line up. You, you, you don't come to the, the Savior of wisdom and then walk in the wisdom of the world. That's a, that's a, in James' terms, that's a double-minded man one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of god that's what he's saying here when you find true wisdom you don't find that you find someone with both feet firmly planted in their relationship with god so that's a contrast in operation between false wisdom and true wisdom now let's finish this by looking at a contrast and outcome between the two okay you want you want to live by the world's wisdom you want to live by false wisdom you got the choice to do that god's not going to force you to live by his wisdom but here's what the outcome is going to be in your life watch this verse 16 for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you will find what is it disorder disorder and every evil practice okay you're going to have chaos now, notice he doesn't say problems because here's what i know you can encounter problems in life and still be in order yes, right. we're talking about chaos yes. we're talking about dysfunction some of us some of us one of the reasons there's so much chaos in our lives in our homes is because we're we have been living too long by a wisdom that produces nothing but chaos yeah. and then you know what happens when you live by worldly wisdom you're gonna find more unpurity. You're gonna find more sin. And, and it's, just, it's just like a rolling snowball. I mean, isn't it funny, you, you start believing what the world says and you think it's no big deal, but it leads you from one sin to another and then all, all of a sudden you're, you're down a road and you go, how did I even get here? It's because you've been living by worldly wisdom. And the, and the, and the outflow of that, the outcome of that is chaos in in your more impurity in your life more more sin now let's turn this around if you if you if you decide look i'm going to make true wisdom the the pursuit of my life what's the outcome of that well look at james says in verse 18 peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness you say well what kind of peace is this first of all i think it's a peace with god can i tell you some of you you have a miserable relationship with god do you know why? Because you never have peace with God. Because you're trying to live with one world in his kingdom and one world one foot in, in the world. And that's miserable. I, I, I've told this story before, but I remember when I was fighting God about my calling to go to Bible college. I was the most miserable person that you would ever meet in your life. I'd go to church and I was miserable because the pastor could be teaching about tithing and somehow I'd hear that I got to go to Bible college out of that. <laughs> And there was just this lack of peace. And I remember when I finally surrendered, right? And I finally said, God, I'm going to live according to your wisdom. And I went to Bible college and I, I quit my job as a project engineer, went to Bible college, ended up finding a job of painting four miles of wrought iron fence around a country club. I wasn't making the money I was before. I didn't have the position. I'm Oh, but I was so peaceful in my life. I'm out there singing praises, listening to my... You had the Walkman back then, you understand. You didn't have all this fancy stuff and, and the beats with no cords, right? You'd be painting and you, you'd pull it out of your ears because you'd do the cord. How many of you, have, you know what I'm, some of you youngest are like, I can't even imagine a cord <laughs> attached. But anyway, peace with God. It's also gonna produce peace with others in your life. When you walk by wisdom, it's gonna go a long way. And you having good relationships in your life. And then you're gonna find less sin. Notice it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of what? Of righteousness. Of right living. And there's good fruit that comes with that. Do you understand? God wants to produce good fruit in your life that your family can feed on. God wants to produce a good fruit of righteousness that your church family can feed on. God wants to produce good fruit of righteousness that your neighbors can be nourished on. And it all comes through you. Saying, I'm not going to live by the world's wisdom. I'm going to live by true wisdom, which comes from what? Above, from my good Father. Let me close with this some keys to living wisely. Real quick. Number one, you got to know Jesus personally. Amen. This is where wisdom begins. You got to have a relationship with God. It comes through Jesus. And so if you have never put your faith in Jesus, if you don't have a reconciled with God, I'm telling you right now that it's going to be impossible for you to walk in wisdom because Jesus is the wisdom of God. All the the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus Christ. Number two, follow the Bible obediently. Look, you got to take it serious. You can't ignore it. Number three, pray to God humbly. You know, I think sometimes we think that God is withholding wisdom for us. Do you know he's not withholding wisdom? Do you remember what James said earlier in James? If any of you lacks wisdom, just ask because your father wants to give it to you he's made it available to you he's given you jesus he's given you the holy spirit he's given you a church family he's given you the word of god yes. the issue is not that he's withholding wisdom the issue is you got to take it seriously and then you've got to decide whether you're going to trust the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of god it's not really all that complicated and last fear the lord reverend you do that I'm telling you it'll help you find your life in a place where you're walking in true wisdom rather than false wisdom wisdom true or false would you bow your heads with me as we close i don't know where you're at this morning but maybe you're here and you have never given your life to jesus or maybe you realize you know what i've been living a double life like james talks about and i need to rededicate my life to the lord this morning if you're in one of those two categories every head bowed and every eye closed and you say i need to get my life right with the lord would you just slip up your hand i want to pray with you right now hey pastor that's me i see that hand i see that hand I need to get some things right in my life. I need to put two feet where God wants it to be. I need to get right with the Lord I say that hand. If you raised your hand, I'm gonna say a prayer with you right where you're at. Everybody who in here, if you're a Christian, would you pray it with us? Dear God, I thank you that you love me and I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, down to this earth for me so that through him, my sins could be forgiven. And i can have a right relationship with you i confess that i'm a sinner i ask you to forgive me for my sins i ask you from this day forward to not only be my savior but to be my lord help me to serve you with all my heart all my mind all my soul and all my strength so that i can walk in wisdom In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Would you go ahead and stand? I'm going to ask our prayer partners. Prayer partners, would you come at this time? If you're here this morning and you gave your life to the Lord for the very first time, we'd love to pray with you. Come up, see one of our prayer partners. Maybe you just need prayer for anything in your life could be it could be an illness it could be something you're struggling with maybe you want to pray for somebody who's going through that needs healing whatever the case may be come find a prayer partner we see God do amazing things when people come, come up and get prayed for all the time so if you need prayer come on up the rest of you listen go walk in wisdom amen have a great Sunday we'll see you next week